Hello and welcome to Capel Live Chat, where you get business insights for your organization in these changing times. I'm Jackie Yap, and with me today is Dr. Simon Yeo, psychotherapist. And uh, welcome, Simon. We're so delighted to have you. Thank you, Jackie. Um, if we could start perhaps with your own personal experience, I understand that uh, you were COVID 19 case 119 or 118. 180, yes. Or 180. Yeah. Could you share about your experience with us? Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I, I was, in, uh, I was in, in New York during the thick of the COVID season. Yeah, many people were persuading me, suggesting that I, I don't go there. That's that's no that's where it's it's epic in there. And, well, my my um, my one of my values is really not to live with fear or in fear as much as mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, I made a trip there, and uh, when I got back, I was tested positive for COVID nineteen. So this was last year. This was last year, March twelfth, when I was tested positive. I, see. I came back and landed on the eleventh of March. Yeah. So immediately you were hospitalized. I was. Uh, they they. Well, well, on the day itself, I went to see the GP and uh, I had a three hours wait to get a swab test and to, to get my lungs x-ray. Um, then I was running a fever, they sent me back home and they say, just wait a day, we'll call you if, we'll call you in the morning if you're positive. Right. Yeah. So uh, I moved my mattress outside and I slept in it. It, it, it am in the morning, they called me and said, we're going to be here at 8.30 to, to pick you up to, to the hospital. Yeah. That was quite a shock to me, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I had very little time really to, to kind of like, you know, say goodbye to my wife, I'm going to be out there and, uh, well, I, I I thought I was going to be there for seven days, so I told her seven days. Yes. I wish I could hug her then and, you know, kiss her goodbye and all that. It ended up with 32 days. Oh my. 16 days in the uh, NCID and 16 days in the community uh, quarantine facility, mm-hmm. yeah. So what were the symptoms that you suffered? Uh, thankfully, I had fever from time to time and there was like 38, 38 point something and all that. And, um, but uh, and part of it also that I, I developed pneumonia for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doctor was very concerned. They were measuring my vital signs from like eight hours to four hours, to like two, two hours. Every, every two hours, they would, they would monitor my vital signs and they would they would ask me, you know, am I breathless, am I okay, and then uh, change the sleeping position and all that. Uh, that got me a little worried because I was okay, I was breathing alright. Yeah, I was, I was waiting to be discharged, I was very positive, you know, I'm going to be discharged like, seven days, and of course it didn't happen, we all know that. How did it extend to 32? Well, um, to be discharged, I, I, I had to be tested negative within 24 hours, I mean two, right. two, two tests within 24 hours. The doctor actually warned me and said, sometimes you get negative and then you get another positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they prepared me well. I went through it three times. That was horrible. You know, that, was, that meant my emotions was up and down, mm-hmm. up and down. I thought I was going to be well. Just planning and looking for it, you know, to, to go back home and, yes. and to be with my family. It just didn't happen. So uh, it's, it's the emotions, it's the fear, it's the frustrations. It's that sense of helplessness and hopelessness mm-hmm. that kind of like hand me and guffed me from time to time. Not so much of the COVID itself, mm-hmm. I would say. I knew I was going to get well. I knew I was going to be out there doing my, my things and all that. It's just a whole new experience that I that I, I went through during that time. So that loneliness and sense of isolation. Yeah, that loneliness. Uh, it was it was really hard to uh, to imagine, you know, unless one has been in that journey so called. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that, that really wanting to, to be out there, to be family members and you know the things that you take for granted on a daily basis begin to come back and you, you begin to know that okay you know when I'm out there uh, I'm just going to make sure that I have a brand new perspective mm. on life. Yeah, uh, these were teachable moments for me. Mm. Uh, it's precious I would say, mm. priceless. You also talked about uh, facing stigmatization, where you know people were not sure, you know, about being around you. Yeah. How did that feel like? Uh, when I was case one at zero, it was the very early days, and every day was unfolding. You know, there were new, uh, new discovery about the, the disease about COVID and all that, and um, that what, what the people knew was then just to stay away from us, not to get so near, not to get near us at all. Yeah. Um, there, there, there was a lot of there was a lot of anticipatory fear in the sense that you know they're not sure how to handle us and how to manage us. I'm not really talking about those nurses because this is excellent. We have the best healthcare. I really enjoy you know what they're doing and I really salute them. Um, give my hats off them. Uh, you, you, you do get a sense that uh, people are not sure. People are thinking that okay, you know, you still have the virus in you and it's highly contagious. I'm not sure how much should I come in contact with you. I'm not sure even should I even look at you or should I even talk to you, if I to engage you and then what's going to happen. It's, it's so awkward. Awkward is just on the surface, but below it, of course, um, is that sense of isolation, is that loneliness, is that, you know, I, I don't know um, how it's going to be like being out there to reintegrate so-called, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and to uh, be my family members. So what happens is that when I, when I was sent into the isolation ward, my wife had to be um, uh, this is SHN, right? Uh, uh, stay at home notice. Yeah, for 14 days. Uh. Yeah. So uh, she was telling me that the, 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 the authorities came and then served her the paper, contacted her, and you know we were worried for a little while what would our neighbor think, how our neighbor right. react to it. <laughs> yeah, so this is our real fear in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. we, we knew our neighbor, I mean, we, we know them, they are nice people, but, but yet we are, we are cautious. So part of it is our interaction with the environment, part of it is how we see, how we imagine, how we perceive uh, people will, 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 will um, manage us or will, will then interact with us. So this was concern. I was concerned for her too. How would, would she be uh, isolated from our neighbors or what would, you know, how is she going to be able to manage that? Oh, thankfully, and all, all of this didn't happen. Yeah, there were a lot of help in fact. You know, we don't seem to learn from some of these experiences that you know uh, some of you have shared. I mean, even uh, today, you know, we still hear of stigmatization of uh, foreign workers, healthcare workers. Uh, recently, the Bukit Merah and the you know Red Hill clusters, uh, and you know, just a um, couple of days ago, the Vietnamese social hostesses. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would be your some of the uh, maybe suggestions or, or insights you know, that you could share with you know the rest of us who you know are tempted you know to avoid people who are in these clusters I think if I see from the psychological point of view it's a self-preservation people need to survive they need to make sure that they are safe so that the people they are responsible for the people they are obligated uh, to towards mm -hmm. will be safe as well so it's a kind of self-preservation for them in a the sense that all right you know I just gonna make sure I'm not sure about what's happening, right? I don't have enough information. Lack of information is one thing. Second thing is of course everyone is doing it, then it's I I, I think it's gonna be safe for me to do it as well. Yeah, so there's safety in numbers. And it's a form of really preserving themselves and say that, you know, I gotta do whatever it takes 
for me to to survive, to move forward, because I have a responsibility towards people. I have a lot of things um, that that I'm accountable for. So it kicks out that survival instinct in us. Yeah. So if I see from that perspective, then it's not so scary if someone try and stigmatize me. They do it or they don't do it unintentionally or, or unconsciously. Yeah. I think my posture would then be that all right, you know, if this is what it takes for you, then then to uh, well to survive in a sense, I I, I want to be able to. Um, try and manage it on my end. I'm trying to be able to understand right. that from my end, because the last thing I want to do is then to be able to to have the resentment, that fear, and, and that that breeds a, a whole host of uh, negative emotions. Mm. First of all, and if if I understand that, then I think it's going to be easy for me to interact with the world. It's going to be easy for me to bring you in and say, okay, you know, uh, granted, you know, if if you think that you don't feel safe with me, let's work on what is safe then. Yeah, people that I gonna come in contact with, people that I don't, then I think they I I, I need to I, I want to be able to honor what they're going through, because I don't know what they're going through. They may have gone through a uh, big crisis in their life, and so they you know they they, they want to be able to well, manage that as well. So man, uh, managing that and honoring that as well, uh, from the outside, those people around a lot has to do with education, being kept informed. Being being able to to know that a certain level of fear it's what is needed. Beyond that, it's going to be irrational. Yeah. Right. When it's going to be irrational, it's, it's going to be one layer and another layer, mm-hmm. and that's going to be life uh, unbearable, almost hell for them, not for me. <laughs> so if if you stigmatize me, you're going to be on edge. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel anxious about things. You're going to be very careful about things. Yeah. So I don't know whether one wants to go through that. So it's in a way not taking it personally, in a way giving the person the benefit of the doubt and understanding that it might be the primordial instinct, you know, for self-preservation. I would like to see from that perspective. Yeah, okay. it's going to be easier for both sides to be able to uh, to learn to coexist. Right. Yeah. And what about yourself personally? What What are some lessons you know that uh, that experience, uh, in a way, gave you? Well, when I went through uh, that emotions, that that loneliness, it was what really gripped me. It was such a new experience for me. I never knew that I could I could feel this lonely. Mm. I never I, I never realized I could own up to what I was going through. Yeah, that that sense of loneliness is like all right, you know. I mean, what's what's going on? You know, the people tending to me. I've been giving as a as a therapist, as a uh, well, you know, the things that I do with people, and right now the people didn't care of me. So this is a new experience for me as well, and um, a, a part of it is to realize, own up to what I'm going through, because then I can be grounded. I can come back to ground zero again and say, "All right, yeah. this is new for me, but yet this is going to last for a while. And what can I do about it? What's the next best step?" So one of the things I realized that you know, when I was lonely, the emotions were really raw. There are times where I would just wake up crying. Yeah, I just don't know why, and, and yet I cry, and I. And I tell myself, I gotta allow myself to be through to what I'm going through. Otherwise, high emotions equals low EQ. I will not be able to make good decisions. I gotta come in and be grounded and and and, and to know what I'm going what I'm going through. And the times whereby you know, um, my mom, me and my wife would talk daily. Our emotions were really raw as well. Yeah. So we realized that, right? We realized that, and and, and it was a conscious decision on my part and said, you know, if we're gonna go there, we're gonna touch that. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be good for the two of us. 
Yeah. So in a way, we, we, we kind of like avoided the very raw emotions. I think that kept us well, that kept your hope as well, that kept us being able to be in touch and, and, and not to run away from that. And that really builds uh, the emotional int- intimacy mm. between us. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like in a way you walked you know, in the shoes of uh, those who experience that same intense loneliness and isolation. I was in an exact spot for a while. And I realized how much it means, you know, to, 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 to really um, embrace and enjoy relationship every step along the way. Relationship, uh, what's important, who's important, purpose and, and, and meaning. Yeah. That was a wake-up call for me. That was like, you know, uh, something that I, I just never imagined in my profession, helping people as I'm advocate of that. Yeah, and now I'm the receiving end. It's about my own personal self-care as well. That I need to take care of myself so that I can take care of other people. Yeah. So it's important in a way to pay attention to our feelings and uh, not suppress it, and in a way process it, and you know from there draw out some uh, new learning insights uh, for us personally. Yeah, I like the way you put it to process too, to know that this is a time to to be in touch, to be grounded to look at our purpose and meaning as well, what, what really uh, is meaningful for us, and then to, to regroup and to relaunch from there. I think that's, that's really important. Thank you, Simon, for sharing your story with us and You're your welcome. learning insights. And uh, thank you, audience, for tuning in. The next time, we'll be back with Dr. Simon Neo, and we're going to talk about workplace engagement, both from the employee and the employer's point of view.